Good morning. This is the Lou Rockwell Show, and what an honor it is to have as our guest this morning, the great Jesse Ventura. What do we say about Jesse? Well, of course, he's famously the former independent governor of Minnesota. He was a U.S. Navy frogman, a wrestling star, a movie star, a TV star, a great libertarian. Jesse, there are many great things we could talk about you, but I, I love your writing career. I love the books you've produced, and we're just going to link to all my favorites, seven best-selling books. Uh, but Jesse, I think maybe the most important book you've ever done is this new one, your your Marijuana Manifesto. I mean, it's quite an extraordinary piece of work, so needed, so timely, so well-documented, so well-written. I mean, it's just, you know, this is a book that can uh, change this country if enough people read it. Well, I hope so, Lou, because, uh, you know, I, I got focused on this for a personal reason. I had lost my quality of life completely, and thanks to marijuana, it's been given back to me. And I'll explain, it wasn't me directly, but someone very close to me developed a seizure disorder and was seizing upwards to three to four times a week. And this, this person had been put on four different pharmaceutical seizure medicines, one after the other. None of them worked. They all had horrible side effects, and the seizures continued. Finally, we took the person to Colorado, got, quote, medical marijuana there, and the seizures stopped. And to this that was about two and a half years ago, and uh, that was what motivated me to help to do this book, was the fact the seizures had stopped. This person today is on no pharmaceutical medicine whatsoever. Uh, it started off as three drops under the tongue three times a day. Now it's in pill form, and the person can go, now get it in Minnesota. But the problem there is that what would cost $30 in in uh, Colorado, because it's so restricted in Minnesota, costs $600 a month. Uh, you know, to, and you can't you can't turn this over to an insurance company to your health insurance because they won't honor it. So it has to come out of your own pocket, six hundred dollars a month, to keep a person seizure free. And uh, the marijuana did it. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Like I said today, the person's on no pharmaceuticals whatsoever and has not had a seizure in two and a half years. Jesse is just thrilling, and is there? Do we get a slight hint in this uh, personal story of yours about why Big Pharma hates marijuana? Oh, absolutely, Big Pharma. Uh, it's really the money, Lou. It comes down always when you deal with government. Remember the movie All the Presidents, <laughs> Man. Yes. And remember Deep Throat in the bowels of that parking lot told Woodward, follow the money, follow the money. <laughs> well, I can tell you in nine, 99% of the time with government, follow the money. And the same holds true for marijuana. The problem is simple. You can grow it. Poor people could get it without being taxed and without Big Pharma getting a cut of the action. Uh, I always like to use prostitution as the example. And I know people are going to say, what? How can you make a comparison? Well, here's how. Okay, two, two consenting adults can meet on the street and have all the sex they want to have, and it's not against the law, right? The, the only thing that makes prostitution against the law is the exchange of money. That's the only reason it's against the law is that money exchanges hands. The government wants to be the pimp. The government needs a cut to the action. 
And so that's why it's deemed illegal, because you could have an industry going on and the government wouldn't be able to tax it. The same holds true for marijuana, because I grew up in South Minneapolis, inner city, and every summer my mom would churn up about a third of the backyard and she would grow tomatoes. So we would have fresh tomatoes all summer long. Well, you could do the same thing with marijuana. You could take a small thing in a backyard, and you could grow five to six plants to where you could be provide yourself with marijuana, its benefits, whatever you, if it were legal, whatever you decided to use it for, and the government wouldn't get a cut, big pharma wouldn't get a cut, and chances are using marijuana, you wouldn't have to buy big pharma's pills and fraud a lot of things. So that and that and alcohol, alcohol does not want it legalized either, because then it's an alternative. Uh, you notice there was a special, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Brian Gumble did it on HBO about uh, tailgating at Denver Mile High Stadium now. Mm-hmm. It's all marijuana now. There's no more drinking. <laughs> and, and, and the people say it's way better, because they said in the old days, People get there at 8.30, they'd start drinking. By game time, there were fights in the parking lot. People were throwing up. All the typical behavior you get with mass consumption of alcohol. Uh, today, they said it's not that way at all. They get there at 11 o'clock, they barbecue their hamburgers, they smoke pot, they feel great, the food tastes great, and the games, there's no fighting in the bleachers anymore or any of this disruptive behavior that goes on. So, uh, you know, there is an alternative out there. It's just that we have to take our heads out of the sand and end this persecution of a plant, I like to say, that God made. Jesse, so many great things in your book, but one of the, and I think of myself as knowing a little bit about this subject, but your list of all the studies, officials, including official government studies, showing that marijuana can help in cancer, both in shrinking cancer cells and in killing cancer cells, why isn't that alone a reason enough to have it uh, widely available? I don't know. Uh, you're, 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 I'm as dumbfounded as you on it. That's why I wrote the book. I want people to understand what their government's doing to them with this prohibition. People who read the book, all I ask them to do, read Steve Cubby's forward. Forward to the book. When you get done reading that, you'll take a different approach to our government and them looking out for your best needs and what's right for you. Because Steve Cubby was dying of inoperable adrenal cancer. They gave doctors gave him five years to live. Well, that was thirty five years ago. He's been on heavy dose of cannabis. It shrunk the uh, tumor. It's put it into recession, and Steve Cubby has lived 35 years uh, using only marijuana when nothing else worked. And what happened to him is, is outrageous. He led the charge for medical marijuana in California, and when it got approved, he started growing it legally in his home. Well, he became the target of the DEA, and of course, that's the federal government who doesn't honor what we vote on. States are voting to legalize it, but the federal government acting as our parent, I guess, or not doing the will of the people still keeps it illegal, still keeps it a class one with heroin, which is ridiculous. And what they did to Cubby, they actually broke into his house where he was growing plants to keep himself alive. He had to do this to stay alive. They broke in with SWAT teams, arrested him, the DEA, put him in jail, and he started dying. The cancer started coming back. He lost 22 pounds, and fortunately, cooler heads prevailed. 
uh, doctors said the only thing keeping him alive was cannabis, and so they let him out and let him resume his cannabis, and the, the, it saved his life again. But when you read about how how callous the government and the DEA was, and the DEA, we cite we cite multiple examples in their war on drugs where they break into homes, shoot and kill people, and then find out later they had the wrong address. Mm-hmm. And nobody's brought up on charges. Nobody stands accountable for this. I mean, I guess people need to understand that when you declare a war, which the war on drugs is a war, the biggest casualties will always be civilian, no matter what war it is. More civilians will die than the actual combatants in the war. And the same holds true with the war on drugs. Civilians die and governments just shrug it off as collateral damage. Uh, many years ago, Ludwig von Mises wrote that the government has no more business telling you what to put into your body than what to put into your mind. Because these days, they feel com- they feel comfortable telling you to you know what to put into your mind as well as what to put into your body. But this, uh, you know, the whole question of the government's stake in in marijuana prohibition is another fantastic aspect of this book. And of course, we know that the U.S. is the prison capital of the world. Uh, and those of us who follow these things know that there's a vast prison industry, uh, a fascist industry, combination government and, and uh, private corporations, crony corporations. Uh, but you, you really do such a great job in this book of pointing out exactly why the prison industrial complex is so invested in keeping marijuana illegal and building up their, their population, not only in terms of just getting paid for having prisoners and torturing prisoners in cages, but for actual running slave labor camps. Yeah, they, they use these prisoners and they get the corporations come in and get the prisoners to work for a dollar an hour. Things of that nature where they get their products done by prisoners in prison, which, which uh, is no different than a sweatshop. If, if you're a prisoner in prison and you're working for an outside entity corporation, shouldn't you get paid minimum wage too? Well, and also if you are going to have, let's say somebody's committed an actual crime, not not smoking marijuana, shouldn't whatever they are able to earn in prison, shouldn't the victim get some cut of that? Of course, the victims are never people who are murdered or raped or burglarized or whatever. They never get anything. The government always gets all the fines and all the uh, um, the prerequisites of their slave labor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. I, I, I hope people read this book and read it with an open mind and realize what's gone on. Here's the part I like to talk about, Lou. Do you realize today, in today's world, that the father of our country, George Washington, our first president, that our third president, Thomas Jefferson, who many hold in high esteem, no doubt about that, and Ben Franklin, all three of those people today would be raided by the DEA. (laughs) They would be doing 10 to 12 years in a federal penitentiary as a major drug dealer because Washington and Jefferson, their major crop was marijuana. And at that time, and people don't realize marijuana, hemp, whatever you want to call it, cannabis, was the backbone of our economic development in this country for the first 160 years. And we've got all this controversy today over Colin Kaepernick, whether he's not standing for the national anthem or not. I'll bet all the people that are angry with him and all that have no idea that the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and Betsy Ross's original flag 
are all made out of marijuana. <laughs> no, tremendous. And it's, it's uh, Jesse, this book, I mean, I've read a number of books on marijuana legalization and, and uh, the drug war and all these sorts of things. The, you've written the best book. I mean, this is quite, quite an extraordinary piece of work. So what, uh, tell me, what's the situation in Mexico? Now, I know you famously spend half your year in Baja, Mexico, and half in, half in Minnesota. What's the marijuana situation in Mexico? Well, one thing that's happening now is that it, it hasn't become the major product of the cartels. The cartels are switching over to uh, methamphetamines and heroin because of the fact of the legalization in the U.S. It, it, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. If we legalize drugs, the cartels are out of business, plain and simple. They have to find a new thing. And since the legalizations happened in states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Washington, D.C., and all those places where recreational is included, too, although I believe there should be no distinction. My friend Tommy Chong made me aware of this, that the entire plant is medical. Those that smoke it for the euphoric feeling are doing it for mental health rather than taking Prozac and things like that. And uh, so the whole plant's a medical plant. And what's happening with the cartels is that they it, it's much like beer. You can buy a Budweiser, which has been sitting on a shelf made corporately, you know, by Amheuser-Busch, or you can buy a craft beer, something that's made locally, much more is put into it, tastes better, all of those things. The same holds true for marijuana and its strains. The stuff that comes over the Mexican border is cheap marijuana. The same as cheap wine, cheap beer, whatever you'd have. Now, the stuff being grown today in the United States in the states where it's legal now is the connoisseur. That's the best stuff. It's being grown properly. And so what's happening is people no longer have to go to the cartels. They're down to like 30%. They used to provide like 70% of the marijuana in the United States. They're now down to 30 and and it's dropping all the time because people are buying it here and they don't have to go to the cartels or have the cartels smuggle in marijuana anymore. And so it runs right in the face of what they tell us about prohibition and what we should do to fight the war on drugs. If you want to win the war on drugs, legalize them. That's how you win the war. Legalize them and educate people the same as you do. Treat them the same as you do alcohol and tobacco. Uh, When they talk about gateway drug, well, the first gateway drug is tobacco. I can tell you that as a kid. The first thing we did was smoke cigarettes. Fortunately for me, not too many times, and I never got addicted, and I never smoked my adult life. Second thing you do is alcohol. Then you might, marijuana might be third. And for all those people with, with, with this other thing where they tell you it's a gateway drug to heroin, well, the legalization has proved that in the states that have done it exactly the opposite. Heroin use has gone down in every state where marijuana has been legalized now. Well, you know, Jesse, we, uh, I think it's such an important moral argument that you make. We know that marijuana is so helpful, even aside from a rights question, is so helpful to people. It can save lives. It can make lives better um, just by who knows how many people. What kind, of a, what kind of a cruel and cold person could deny something that is health-giving, uh, happiness-giving, and uh, life-saving 
to to other people. I mean, what what sort of a mind? What sort of a what sort of a character is that? And yet, that's the government and all the the top people in the government. Ooh, it's called money. Money. The, the government yeah. makes money <laughs> off keeping it illegal. You got the the DEA and all them out there. And, and that's what's amazing. The DEA makes the decision about marijuana, a law enforcement agency. No other thing on the planet in the United States, I should say, does law enforcement make the, the decision on it. And they have a huge conflict of interest because they make money off it. you got these seizure laws. I would like to know, Lou, how those stand up uh, constitutionally where they can come in, and you don't even have to be convicted. All they have to do is say it was involved in drugs. They can take your home. They can take your car. They can take your personal possessions. They put them on the auction block, and they make money off it, selling it. So it's a huge business that's going on in this country, keeping marijuana illegal so that the government can profit from its illegality and deny us not only the ability to use this product, which we should be allowed to do, but the fact it would be a huge boost to our economy. How many people in this country work in the alcohol industry? Quite a few. How many people in this country work in the tobacco industry? Quite a few. When you talk about delivering, packaging, the whole industry itself. Well, marijuana is an industry waiting to happen. It's jobs waiting to happen. It's economy waiting to roll. And yet our government stifles it and won't let it happen. Jesse, are you optimistic, given, of course, we have more and more states uh, legalizing it? It seems to me the number of people who are opposed to at least medical marijuana is shrinking. The government, of course, is continuing on and all the money they're making the money and there must even be uh, big farmers interested in keeping this uh, off the market as a, as a cancer, uh, as a cancer drug and other kind of drugs, other kind of uses. Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Well, no, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think that marijuana can be the issue. It truly can be the issue that propels us to take our government back. And let me expand on that. Right now, polls show well over 50% of the country says marijuana should be legal across the board. No distinction between medical and recreational. Legalize it. It's over 50% now. Well, this could be an issue where the people can rise up. They're doing it state by state, which is wonderful. It's the only way it can be done. What will the feds do if all 50 states legalize it? How will they then keep saying no we're not going to follow it. But this could be the issue where the people actually take back their government because it isn't the government's job to be our parent. And we've lost sight of the fact that we're the boss. Marijuana could reinst- this issue could reinstill that to us. We are the boss. They work for us. We don't work for them. They're not our parents. And therefore, they should carry out our wishes. And we've lost sight of that in this country, and we're now millions of people who kowtow to our government and then view the government as the boss. Well, the marijuana issue could be the very issue that would bring us back, create a revolution, and allow the public to step forward and tell the government, no, you work for me, and you're there to carry out our wishes, not your own agenda. Jesse Ventura, you've done so much for freedom in your life. You've been such a great spokesman, such a great activist in so many different ways. But I've just, I've got to say again, 
I think your marijuana manifesto may be your greatest contribution. I want to tell everybody listening to me, get this book, read this book, talk to your friends about this book, get them to read it. It can really help make a difference in so many ways to better the lives of Americans and restrict this monster headquartered in Washington, D.C. So, Jesse, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for writing this book. Thanks for everything you do. Well, Lou, let me let me reciprocate to you. Thank you for having me on. It's people like you that, are, that have shows that allow the public to hear the truth and allow us to exercise our First Amendment rights and allow us to educate the public because... If you're going to rely on the government educating you, good luck. Good luck. You know, you're not going to receive a very good education. you got to do it on your own. And for those that take this attitude, go along to get along, that's as anti-American as you can be. We need to be vigilant citizens. We need to hold people's feet to the fire and make them accountable. If you do that as a citizen, you're doing your job. And let me just throw in on the Cullen Kaepernick thing. Colin Kaepernick, whether you agree with him or not, you should honor his right to protest because that's what America's all about. You have the right to do it, whether you like it or not or agree or not. Never stand in the way of a person's right to protest and petition his government. That is our First Amendment right, and there's a reason they made it the First Amendment. Because, Jesse, I wonder why are they playing the national anthem at sporting events anyway? This only began in World War II as a government propaganda exercise. Exactly. It's, it, it, I, well, you know what to me is far more worse? Did you see the story they killed it in a day where Senator McCain found out that our Department of Defense was paying these billionaire yes. owners of the National Football League to honor the veterans? <laughs> yes. I mean, did you see that get swept under the rug? That story lasted a half a day and was gone. I am far more offended over that. That should have received all the attention rather than what uh, Mr. Kaepernick's doing. Well, Jesse, you talked about educating ourselves. Everybody needs to attend the Jesse Ventura University. (laughs) Start with the first course, which is his marijuana manifesto. Jesse, thanks a million. Thanks again for everything you do. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Lou Rockwell Show today. Take a look at all the podcasts. There have been hundreds of them. There's a link on the LRC front page. Thank you. Thank you.